Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is good to be with you today. We find ourselves in the eighth podcast of this semester, and it's We've been spending several weeks looking at this book, Lies Men Believe, and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And today we're going to kick off a two-week discussion of one of the chapters, splitting it up into two parts. The chapter is called Lies Men Believe About Work and Wealth. And because it, well, I'm doing this because it's such a big area of life, and I thought it would be good to split it up. Well, today we're going to focus on the work part. Next week, we'll talk about the wealth part, and they are certainly connected, but we're going to look at them a little bit differently. And that includes, I have different guests each week on the podcast, and today, I don't have just one guest, I have two guests, and they are here to talk about the work part of the chapter. But the funny thing is, one of them is fully retired, and the other one is partially retired. So I welcome Jay Lundell and Terry Shears to the Holy Man podcast. Guys, welcome. It's good to have you with me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And guys, uh, I think if I'm right, that you guys just came out of your own life group here this morning. Is that correct? You bet. Yeah, so you guys are both in the retired men's life group that meets on Wednesday mornings. And uh, Jay, how's that group going? I know you're one of the leaders. Yeah, very good. We originally started out with about four gentlemen, and then now it's up to about, uh, I think, seven. That's seven awesome. And it's, yours is not the only life, men's life group that is growing. I just added a couple guys to uh, some of our other life groups just this week. So it's great to see how many men in the life of this church, and especially as I look at your group, retired men, those who are mature in age and faith, and you've you got a group of guys that are still wanting to grow in their faith. And that's so awesome. Uh, well, Jay, as we get started here, since we're talking about work, uh, can you tell the guys uh, before you retired, what was your work journey like? What, what was uh, your uh, journey like? Well, uh, again, the Reader's Digest version, uh, after high school graduation, I went to college for about two years. I was pretty disillusioned with, uh, with college, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But in college, I started taking some flight lessons, and then I really knew this is something I really wanted to pursue as a career. So I moved to uh, Colorado, and I went to flight school there, and, and I got my licenses there, and flight instructor, multi-engine ratings, and that sort of thing. And uh, later on, I accepted a, a flying position and moved to Gillette in uh, 1979. In 1989, there was an opening for an assistant airport manager, and I applied and, and I got the job. Then in 1993, I was fortunate enough to uh, be hired as the airport director, and, and uh, so I finished my college education during this time and received a bachelor's uh, degree, and, and uh, I was an accredited airport executive. 
and then I held that position until I retired back in uh, June of nineteen nine or twenty one. So if it has to do with the airport, you've pretty much done it. And inclu- did you ever load any bags on the airplanes, Jay? Uh, when I was a charter pilot, I certainly did. All right, so you did just about everything probably that was necessary up at the airport uh, here in Gillette for the last many years, including flying a lot of people around. So that's awesome. Terry, I know that your uh, journey is a little bit different, and uh, I know you had a bunch of different types of positions, so why don't you give the guys a little understanding of what some of the things you did? Yeah, sure. Um, So, you know, when I was a young man, a teenager, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to settle on, so I decided not to settle on any one direction in life, and I kind of pursued multiple um, (laughs) interests in life. I, I grew up wanting to be a soldier. I was. I grew up wanting to work in law enforcement. I did. I had a background in automotive maintenance. I worked as a mechanic and a machinist. Did that. I wanted to work in the energy industry. I did that for a while. Some um, automation controls, that type of stuff. Uh, But I really kept coming back to, um, you know, the military and the law enforcement side of things more than anything else. And I managed to spend about 22 and a half years with the Wyoming Army National Guard and just about all things artillery started off as a private and when I retired I was working as a battalion fire direction officer so you know took took that to to uh, its maximum trajectory at that time and while I was doing that simultaneously I got into law enforcement so those careers overlapped for about 10 years there. Hmm. Okay. Um, I worked in law enforcement for over 21 years, and when I retired there, I was the detention division commander for the in charge of the jail, the court security, and and all things, um, you know, transport and that type of thing. Thing everything that's not patrol or investigations was in my division. So. And when you retired here a couple of years ago, then you took on you you're now partly retired partly driving a tow truck. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, and I think that just is because, you know, I've, I failed at retiring a couple of times. <laughs> I retired from the military, and I thought, what am I going to do with myself there? And then I retired from law enforcement, and I asked myself the same question, and I think mostly it's just because I lack the ability to sit still. Mm-hmm. So I had to do something, and um, I bought a couple of tow trucks and started a small tow truck company with my wife, and... We've been doing that, and I've enjoyed that because I've been able to involve several family members in that. Cool. And really, it gives me an opportunity to be flexible and really have some say in my schedule, and and I can try and at least be somewhat retired. That's great. And the cool thing for us that you both retired right when we did our church uh, remodel here over the last two years, and... uh, Jay, I know you fully retired, but we put you right to work, and you were over here at the church regularly almost every week doing some jobs for us around here, and uh, you saved the church a lot of money by doing a lot of work for us, and uh, we really appreciated that. Well, now, the reason I chose you two uh, for this podcast is because of what I have seen in your lives, especially over the last couple years in regards to your faith journeys and how that can apply to our work journeys. Uh, Terry, can you tell the guys a little bit, uh, just a short little bit about your walk with Jesus and especially recently, some of the things that God has been calling you to? Yeah, so, you know, that's a that's a little bit difficult to sum that up, you know, because I believe that even as a teenager that I was always a believer. Um, you know, I never questioned whether 
whether um, there was a God or whether Jesus died to, to, for my salvation, but I was never really a practitioner. Mm. Um, you know, I, it's a great word. I, I kind of went to church, hit, hit and miss. Um, you know, I mentioned I had a little bit of background in um, the military, so there was always a always seemed to be a chaplain um, at hand, and you know, I had some conversations about what it meant to be a Christian. Um, and I always believed in, in um, you know, all things Christianity, but really never put that forth. Made a bi- I never made a big effort in my life uh, to follow Jesus um, until I really started retiring and, and reflecting back on my life. And, you know, it was one of those things I think I always told myself, I'm just too busy. I've got so mm. many irons in the fire. I'm working multiple jobs simultaneously. Right. And I just kind of kept putting it off and putting it off. Then when I retired, um, you know, I ran out of excuses to put it off. But really, looking back at my life, I would not have been prepared to be where I'm at right now if I hadn't have gone through the ex- ex- uh, the experiences that I did. Okay. All right, I think in some of your answers there, it's going to play into some of the lies we're going to discuss here in just a minute. Uh, Jay, can you just give the guys also some of the things that you've been uh, challenged here lately in your faith journey? Well, I, I grew up in a very good Christian home. And then when I went to college, uh, with the exception of going to Campus Crusade for Christ, I, I really quit going to church for the most part. When I got married, I started going to church again with my wife and Later, we had a couple of kids, and we both knew the importance of bringing them up in a Christian home. And then uh, when my children were full grown, I I stopped going to church. Hmm. Then about 12 years ago, I I knew that Christ was missing in my life. And I started coming to uh, New Life, and I've been here ever since. So I've been involved in the New Life life group since uh, really their inception, and that's really... uh, Help me uh, to become a better Christian, and I volunteer, you know, as a support group volunteer, and I really enjoy that. But since uh, my retirement, I've had no excuses to not have daily devotions, and and uh, also with my wife, and I especially uh, enjoy reading books about the second coming of Christ and and what heaven will be like, and it gives me something to really look forward to each day. Hmm. Okay. It's interesting. I hear both of you saying that once you retired, you didn't have an excuse. And so it's, it's, it's funny. How can we then, because this is why I picked you guys, because we're going to be talking, we're not just talking to retired guys with this podcast. We're talking to some guys that are still working. So I want us to talk a little bit about how these lies that Satan puts into our hearts, how does that affect our work ethic and how we live our faith with our work? So we're going to get into some of that. Let's look at, we're going to look at three lies out of this chapter today. And the first one is, how I spend my time is my business. That's what Satan says, that uh, to tells us to be selfish with our time. And how I spend my time is my business. Now, here's a question I have for you. Have either of you guys ever done a financial budget before? Yes. Well, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I have to. Well, I want to ask you a different question now. Have you ever done a time budget before? Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> what about you, Jay? Uh, yes, when I was working, no, not since I've been retired, really. You know, I was just kind of 
comes as it comes. Yeah. A time budget is fun for me. I, I Anytime I'm counseling a couple, whether it's premarital counseling or marriage counseling, I always have them do a time budget. And it's amazing to see how it enlightens them to see how many hours per day and per week that they spend on life. I know in our chapter, it talked about all the different hours that we have in a week, 100 and what is it, 68 hours? Yes, and then how, you know, figure out how many hours we work and how much time we sleep, how much time we eat. And then there's that free time. And out of all those hours to think about what are we supposed to do with those hours and how do we spend those hours that truthfully God gives us to be able to utilize. And it's fun to be able to see these when the certain, when the people in those relationships, when they see how much time they're watching TV or scrolling on their phones or doing things that really don't matter in life, it's fun to see them make changes so that they can better their use their time. Well, Jay, how different would your time budget have looked three years ago compared to today? And what about when you had young kids in the house? What did your time budget, what would that have looked like for each of those times? Well, while I was working a lie, I told myself uh, <clears throat> for not having personal daily devotions was because I didn't have the time. Yeah. So when I re retired, I realized the lie I'd been telling myself. And hmm. now I do daily devotions, and uh, they brought me closer to my walk with God. Uh, I wish I'd not found the time, but made the time for daily devotions when I was working. Well, let me, Jay, let me just follow up real quick with that. Truthfully, did you have the time back when you were still working, or was it just this, the lie that made you have excuses for that? Well, I think the author says in, in the Lies Men Believe that we have 43.5 hours of, on a, you know, Free time? Uh, free time, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was the lie. <laughs> and then when I had kids, then that, even, that lie became even more apparent to the fact that, okay, now I'm going to college, I got kids. Uh, yeah, so I had all kinds of excuses. And uh, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I, so I think partly in there it's the word priority jumps into it is what are the things that we make priority in our life and, exactly. and what are those things that should be first and then having other things. Well, Terry, what about you? I know you're, again, you're partly retired, yes. but still working and you still have a youngster in the house. So what would a time budget look like for your family? And, and you can even bring some priorities into that as well. Well, you know, certainly just a few years ago, my, my time budget would primarily be focused on my professional life um, you know very much felt like I was the provider to my family and what that meant to me at, at that point in my life versus what it means now is is different you know I would have worked as many hours as I possibly could have squeezed in in a day and I would would have worked as many jobs as I could have um, you know and telling myself you know I'm putting money away from my kids as college um, you know, I'm putting money away for our retirement, and I have quite a spread on, on our children. We have a 28-year-old son, a 24-year-old daughter, and an 11-year-old daughter. So I've never had that moment where I haven't been taking care of a, a child in my home mm -hmm. as well. Sure. So if I, I've always focused on those things that provided for them, you know, new braces, you know, new video games, <laughs> new, new bicycles, whatever the case may be. 
Um, but sometimes I forgot that it's just about spending those times on the couch with my kids doing nothing but just having a conversation. So my time budget then versus now would have been really focused on those worldly things. My time budget now looks more mm. like spending time with my with my children. Um, you know, the simple pleasures in life like uh, fishing, going to Dairy Queen for a blizzard, whatever gives me an excuse to have a conversation with my children. Is it amazing how, uh, now I'm not quite as mature as you two are, but yet for me, uh, you know, the lessons that I've learned looking back and what I wish I would have done even 15 years ago when my three older kids were younger, it's amazing how we, we refocus on what priorities are and what they should be. Uh, you know, wh- one of the things that, and I hear this with many men, is we, we thump our chests about the freedom that we have in life. And would you guys agree that, especially here in, maybe in Gillette, that freedom is important to us men? Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And so you think about freedom in our time, I think it plays into that, that we men, when we look at the hours that we have in a day, whether it's our time at work or even our free time that we talk about, you know, we want to say, it's mine. And so I want to use it for my sake, for my glory, and whatever that looks like. Well, as we look at this chapter that talks about this lie, uh, how can our faith lead us to a different line of thinking, both in our workplace and all other hours of the day? Is our time actually our business, or is there another way to look at it? Well, I've recently come to the realization that my time is not my time. It's God's time, and I need to focus the priority differently in my life as how I can maximize that. You know, I think I was pretty successful in my professional life of maximizing my professional time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm early at maximizing God's time in my life right now. So, you know, I'm a little still a little immature in that, but it's a different focus now. And it's incredible how much uh, reward I get from spending my time thinking about how I can serve Jesus and God much more efficiently than I ever have. That's so cool to hear that, Terry. That's a great word. Jay, what about you? Well, faith to me is trusting in God, uh, that trusting in God will guide me through the good, bad, and ugly of my life. Even though I can't physically feel or see Him, I can feel His Holy Spirit in my life. Uh, my favorite verse has been uh, Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Mm. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. And uh, that can go with, uh, I wish I'd really focused on that verse in my younger years. And it even makes a lot of sense being a retired man. It really does. And, and the follow-up, the verse 7 of there is that promise. You know, Terry just said about the blessings that come when we uh, honor God with our time. The, the blessing in there is that the peace that transcends all understanding will rest on your hearts and minds. So you find peace when you learn to trust in God. And, uh, and that's a cool passage to how we guide our time. Another passage that I just want to mention to, for this lie is what Paul talks about to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Starting in verse 23, uh, Paul says this. He said, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, 
but not everything is beneficial. So Paul is speaking about people's freedom there. And, you know, they have the freedom, just like us, we have the freedom to choose to do whatever we want to do. But what Paul is helping them to see is that not every choice that we make has is good. There's also some not good results in each of those moments. So as Christians, what would Paul say should be an underlying foundation to our choices in life with how we spend our time, including work and at play? <clears throat> what Paul says, to what he points us to is the cross, the cross where Jesus died. He says this in verse 24, don't be concerned for your own good, but instead for the good of others. So he takes us back to those two greatest commandments, love God and love others. And again, he points us to the cross. In, in that moment, Jesus, he had a choice. He didn't have to die on that cross. He had the freedom to choose. Well, he chose to use his time to love his father and to love us. So later on in that passage, after more discussion on it, Paul continues with in verse 31, he says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So for you two men in front of me here, if we as men or anyone for that matter, if we have the phrase, do it all for the glory of God, if that's guiding us into our workplaces, how might we have worked differently through our years? Well, I remember uh, one of the former presidents saying, if you've got a business, you didn't build that. Somebody else uh, made that happen. That really torqued me off at the time. <laughs> uh, and really, I started looking at and half the statement is true, but it should say, if you've got a business, you as a Christian didn't build that. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, helped. So that stuck in my mind for several years. And, and I honestly have to say that I was selfish. Yeah, you know, I didn't give God the glory that I should have. Isn't that something? What about you, Terry? How would that phrase change how you might have worked throughout the years? Well, you know, I look back at my, my professional life. Uh, serving in the military and in law enforcement, you know, I always thought that I was one of the good guys and that was good enough. That, you know, I had a life of service to others. And then I felt like both of those jobs were 100% a, a people job. You know, I wasn't building anything on a factory floor. I wasn't drilling for oil um, at those times. You know, I was taking care of my fellow man and serving my fellow man. What I forgot to do during that time frame was to serve God while I was doing that. Wow. Okay. That And that changes, again, we talk about the priorities here a couple minutes ago. That changes the priority of how we work and why we work. Well, the truth that the author says at the end of this is, if we belong to God, all of our hours, including those when we have nothing planned, belong to him. And there's no doubt that I think for all of our lives, if that guided us, that mindset guided us both in our workplaces, in our free time, when we're eating, even when we're sleeping, uh, wow, that, I think that would change our lives quite a bit. Well, let's look, uh, let's look at another lie here. We've only got one done so far. Uh, the next lie that the author had us looking at was, I'm not responsible to be the provider for my wife and family. Now, this shares, the, and the author talks about this, he shares the understanding of a man who gets the name deadbeat 
labeled on him, a person who either partially or completely believes this lie and therefore does not care for his family. Uh, so for you guys, uh, without putting any names out there, have, you, have either of you ever known a man who could have had this label on them? And how did that man's lack of work ethic affect his family or others around him? I, Terry, I don't really know of anybody personally. I know that in my earlier part of my marriage, my wife made more money than I did. And uh, I actually would brag to my friends about it simply because, you know, she put in a lot of hard work with her education and, and in her job. So, no, I, I really don't know anybody like that. I mean, I wasn't brought up that way. And honestly, I can't say that I know many men like that. Well, that's a good problem uh, because, you know, here in Gillette, I see a lot of hard workers. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys that like to play too, yeah. but uh, I do. I see a, a great number of men who are good, strong workers for their family. So that's awesome that you don't know anybody that you could label. Terry, did you know anybody like well, that? Yeah, you know, um, I was blessed in my life looking back that I was surrounded by men that took being a provider for their families uh, very seriously. Um, my dad was a hard worker, took care of his family very well. Um, my wife's grandfather has always been an inspiration to me. Um, he, he seemed to balance his work life, his family life, and his um, walk with, with Jesus uh, better than any other man that I've ever met. Um, but unfortunately, you know, as I said, you know, I was the jail administrator for a lot of years, over a decade. Yeah. And I had to deal with that from a professional standpoint regularly where I would see the extreme end of that. You know, there would be people coming into the jail for failure to pay child support, not taking care of their families, not taking care of their responsibilities. And it was a heartbreaking scene because I could see that cast to their um, their, their sons and daughters, um, you know, just a few years later when they were starting to get in trouble. Um, you know, it's, it's a heartbreaking thing to have to, to view uh, a man not taking care of his family is, is just as tragic as any tragedy that I've ever right. experienced. And Terry, I, I, that's what I expected your answer to be, that that's where you had seen some of the, the witness of that mindset but at the same time, you also just said that you had some great examples of work ethic that you were raised to see, that uh, you witnessed, and that kept you to be able to have your own work ethic. You had a you have a great work ethic. I've seen it. Jay, same thing for you. I've seen a great work ethic for you. Is there someone like Terry said that he saw some good people? Was there someone that modeled a good work ethic for you? Well, yeah, growing up on a farm, uh, my mother and uh, father. Uh, certainly, you know, we didn't know any better, or I didn't know any better, that, you know, you worked hard and you reaped the rewards of working hard. Yeah, and that's, that's for sure. And so, Terry, would you agree that some of those individuals that you saw coming through the prison, that it necessarily wasn't completely their fault? I mean, they had choices in what the decisions they made, but would you think that their lives could have been possibly a little bit better if they had a great model that showed them a better way? You know, and I don't think there's a better example for that than a, a jail, a prison, a detention center setting. You can look through those folks that come through the, the door. Um, and I, I saw so many examples of, of men and, and people that did not have a good example in their life. And 
they were they were struggling with their lives yeah. because of it. Um, a lot of fatherless families. Um, you can you can see the Im- impact that that has on our community. And you can see how important that is. Then, so like Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse four, it tells us this this verse, in my opinion, speaks into this truth <clears throat> as much as anything else does. It says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger." By the way, you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So our job is not just to financially provide for our families. I mean, that's certainly a big responsibility for us in our lives. But it is also the instruction and the example that we set forth for them, that we show our kids, our grandkids, what a good work ethic looks like. And to, so that when they become adults, that they're going to be able to do well, that they're going to thrive with a great life. So the author says, this is his truth, he says, It is our God-given job to serve our families as providers. Through our example, we can show them that they have a Heavenly Father who can be trusted to meet their needs. And so it's that faith thing, the teaching them what faith looks like, what a good work ethic looks like, so important. Guys, we have one more lie that we're going to jump into here real quickly. And this is one that I know both of you have spoken to me about this, and that is my faith and my work are unrelated. And there's a lot of men, and you guys shared a little bit of this, of how it maybe was a little bit like this back when you were working, that you compartmentalize. You had these different boxes in your life, and your church box was one of parts of your life, but that didn't necessarily cross over completely, you know, a little bit, but not completely into your work life. And there's a lot of guys that think that way. So here's the question I want to first talk with you then. If you could go back and have a conversation with younger you, say 30 years ago or so, what are some of the lessons that you would love for that younger you to know? You asked the toughest questions. I love tough questions. Well... Uh, well, I certainly did let this lie, you know, happen to me most of the time in my working career. And I, I kept to myself, you know, really um, my own faith and, and so forth. I felt like my, my work ethic kind of spoke for itself that, you know, I was a leader and, and um, people could see that through me. But, you know, sometimes you know, employees would come in and, and, and really talk to them about personal problems and even their faith in Christ. And that was the only time that I could really uh, feel comfortable opening up to them about my faith and my journey. But as far as going back and telling the young man, uh, Jay, you, you're really stupid. You, you shape <laughs> up. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Um, what you know now, I wish I knew then. And so uh, I think it would certainly have changed my life and as far as my, my, uh, my walk with Christ. Yeah, one of the things that, Jay, that I want to just point to, that you have mentioned several times in, in our other life group that you're in that has a bunch of younger guys in there, mm-hmm. that you have made this statement over and over again that if there's one thing that you would do differently 30 years ago or when for younger you, it would be that daily devotions thing, that digging into the Word of God, your prayer life, that you would have been more intentional about it 30 years ago Instead of waiting till you retired, is that am I putting words in your mouth, or is that true? Oh, that's exactly true, and, and certainly I'll take that a step further. Do it with your wife because, you know, that devotional time you have with yourself and with your wife, that opens 
you up to her. She understands what's on your mind. A lot of us guys, we, we keep it inside. We don't come out and say what's really on our mind, why we're pouting around or whatever. But uh, yeah, that I, I would say to young men, get into your devotions and, and certainly do it with your wife if you're married. Well, Jay, you say I ask the hard questions, but you just gave a hard challenge to those younger guys out there because there's a lot of guys out there that are going, oh, crap, I have to do that? Because that's hard to, uh, to take our faith into our day-to-day life and especially with our wives. That brings some humility and some vulnerability with that. It certainly does. Yeah. Terry, what about you? Is there anything other than what Jay just said that you would share with your younger you 30 years ago? Well, wow, that conversation with my younger self 30 years ago would have taken about a week, I think, to sort it out. <laughs> with um, a two-by-four? Yeah, it would, behind the woodshed or something. Uh-huh. You know, um, I always thought that I was living a deliberate life and that I had a plan. Um, and I suppose at one point, you know, I lived by the philosophy that if you had 10 tasks to do that day, that one of those tasks had to be the priority, otherwise you wouldn't get anything accomplished. So I looked at life as very much um, through the lens of problem solving. So I would identify the problem, work towards Mm -hmm. a solution, and I would define what a successful outcome would look like from a very uh, practical, physical, analytical Mm -hmm. um, type lens or definition. But what I forgot to do during that part of my life was look at the impact of that would have on relationships, how I felt about my life, <laughs> how I felt about my family, um, you know, all of those things. That's what I would focus on if I talked to myself, um, yeah. my younger self, I would I would tell myself, don't worry about those those issues so much and work and work towards what that looks like for your family in 20 years in 30 wow. years what do, what does that look like for your children when they have children and I'm a grandfather <clears throat> excuse me I'm a grandfather now and I have two wonderful grandchildren and I wish I would have defined what success looked like from the lens of grandchildren huh so you're yeah you're talking about Making decisions today, not just for today's sake, but also for the sake of what it's going to look like five years and ten years down the road. Oh, That's absolutely. huge. And But then also, you know, what Jesus says, <clears throat> it's in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, starting in verse 14, where he says this, and the author shares this idea of how to apply this into our work life and our family life. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in your house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So Jesus is talking about our faith, our Christian life, to not be compartmentalized, not keep it hidden away, but instead, no matter where we are, whether we're in our workplace, our families, to make those decisions that you were just talking about that will allow the light of Christ to shine into those things in life. So which leads to what the author says is the truth in this one. Our faith and our work cannot be compartmentalized. We should faithfully serve God and others in everything we do. So, uh, Jay and Terry, we live in Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital where many men work in the mines, in the oil field, in other places where, from what I have heard, it's not always easy 
to, to show our faith and allow it to shine in those work areas. So what, this is your last chance. What, what last advice do you have for the men that are listening to this right now who maybe struggle a little bit with living out their faith in their workplaces or in their free time or in their homes? What are some simple ways that they can do that? Do you have anything? Yeah, I think uh, for me, you know, talk about being a leader, a provider, um, a problem solver. You know, I would, I would give advice to, um, um, to, to the men that are out there working 24-hour jobs. You know, that type of stuff is you don't have to have every answer. You don't have to be the you don't have to be the strongest one in the room. You don't have to you don't have to be um, perfect all the time. Your our strength comes from our Lord. And once I realized that you know I don't have to have bear that responsibility of being uh, that person. That it really comes from God. Um, I stopped worrying about whether other people thought of me and I wanted that glory to go to God, not to me individually. So it goes back to that other passage out of Corinthians where it talked about everything you say, everything you do, do it for the glory of God. And that's yes. what guides you. That's cool. Jay, what about you? Well, my only advice would be if you're a Christian manager, supervisor, you know, there's a lot of off-color jokes, swearing going on and and I think the best thing is just not tolerate that. Now, as a regular laborer, you know, if, if I was out in the field and you hear an off-color joke or the swearing part, I think you just need to uh, not laugh at the joke, number one, and, and don't become part of that group that, uh, you know, uses uh, terrible language. And uh, certainly... Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, it is you know, a tough one. If you start doing, you know, listening to it, then finally you're going to be part of it too. So uh, that's all I really can suggest. So what you guys are saying is our faith in Christ, what we learn from Christ, should, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's just bring God into this by the saying the Holy Spirit. Jay, you mentioned the Holy Spirit a while ago here, that we need to rely on him to change us, to transform us, to look differently in our workplaces, in our lives. <clears throat> and that's part of the holy journey. You know, guys, that's what this uh, podcast is all about, is how we as men, and for the ladies that are out there listening as well, how can we as men learn from God, put our faith in God, so that we can be transformed by the Holy Spirit to live differently. That's holiness. Uh, and it's not easy, because uh, our workplaces some days can be very hard. Even here at the church, there are days that I hang out with guys like this, and it can be hard to be Christian. You guys can decide that. But, you know, no matter where we are, Satan is always trying to lead us astray. And so the good thing is we can be brothers in this, and we can work together and to shine light into a tough world on our journey of being holy men. Guys, thanks for being with me today. I know the guys are going to get a lot of good conversations out of this. And uh, may God get the glory for what we share here today. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>